Hey everyone, this is uh, Dave with the Flyover Labs, and thanks for listening to another podcast. Today we are very lucky to have Dave Duvarney, and he's the founder and president of Talvant. And Talvant is a business intelligence BI firm uh, located in Mass- right outside of Madison, Wisconsin. So we're excited to have uh, Dave with us today. Dave, thanks for joining. Yep, great. Excited. Yes, and we get to do this one in person, so it's kind of exciting when I can actually see the person's face. Um, so I brought Dave on because this is hopefully be a good education in BI. I think I'll learn a lot. Um, so we're going to kind of dig into business intelligence and what is it and how can companies use it. And, uh, and Dave's an expert, so excited to have him on. So let's just jump right in. And uh, Dave, first, maybe if you could give a, a brief overview on your background and uh, why BI, how you got into business intelligence, and sure, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, so I actually kind of fell into business intelligence. I, uh, I graduated with an accounting degree, was doing work at a public accounting firm, and realized that that was not my bag. I didn't like it. So I moved into, did some teaching for a while. I taught at a Microsoft training center for a year and then got hired into a consulting company that was a niche BI company out in Seattle. And that was right around 2001. Um, and that company there, they actually hired me as a developer and I was supposed to do kind of custom development, which I always love, still love, but they were a BI firm. So eventually I picked that stuff up and started doing BI projects and kind of been stuck with it ever since. So. Lots of fun. Got to write a couple books uh, along oh, the way did. and do some huh. speaking around the world, and uh, so it's been a good it's been a good time being in that area now. And I think I'm pushing with 14, almost 15 wow. years. What were the books on? So I did two books on uh, Microsoft Reporting Services. So when it uh, originally came out, uh, before it came out, I was doing these speaking gigs, and a friend of mine said, "Hey, we're going to write this book," and I did two of them. And then the third one I passed. It's a lot of work to do, but oh, yeah. so, but it was fun. It was great to get the name out. And then uh, as conferences came up, I had more opportunities to speak and go do those things. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. Interesting. So you, those books are probably a little outdated by now. They're a little, yeah, a little. <laughs> but your knowledge, is, but the uh, royalty yes. checks trickle in, but yeah. they're, gone. <laughs> they're not like they used to be. Oh really? Nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, can you still find them on Amazon? Oh yeah, I can. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to put those. I've got on I got one back in oh, the back. Really? It's even in Chinese, which is pretty cool. No way! Wow, we'll have to put that one on <laughs> the uh, podcast site. Um, so, tell us about Taliban. When you started it, why you started it, and uh, kind of what you guys do. Yeah, so I I had actually spent you know I'd, I started my BI career in Seattle, and I moved back to Madison about six years ago, and uh, worked continued to do work for my a consulting firm and then was independent for a while and realized that I really wanted to build up a BI practice here in this area. I think there's a lot of talent in the area and I think there's a lot of opportunity to do it. The BI practices that I've seen in the area tend to have a couple people, a few people. And so what I really wanted to do was build a place where we had some of the kind of top talent and get those folks out and working and all under one roof so we can share knowledge and do those things. Uh, I met my business partner, Rob Long, a couple years ago. He was doing some external consulting along with his full-time job. And the two of us just kind of said, well, you know, maybe we should start something. So January of last 2015, the two of us kicked it off and 
now mm -hmm. we're going to be seven full-time people come wow. March. So pretty exciting. And we're doing it all. It's all our own kind of organic growth. So huh. we're, gonna, we're getting there. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. And we can talk a little bit more. I'm curious about, well, I don't know if you could disclose some projects, but if you can, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But first, let's uh, uh, talk a little bit more about BI and what is it. It seems like a very broad, it, the term's used a lot, but it seems like it can cover a lot of different yeah. areas. Um, yeah, I think I think it it is, and I think people get confused about different technologies and tools. And there's really more to it than just the tools and the kind of IT pieces. In, in, if you boil it down, from my perspective, it's really saying how do I use information to make an actionable decision, right? And whatever tool that is, whatever process that is, that's what you're really trying to get to. I have information, I'm gonna make a choice about it, and I'm acting on that choice because of the information, not just because of my gut. To me, that's really more of what it is hmm. in kind of a definition sense. Gotcha, okay. So in, in some ways, is it similar to analytics, predictive analytics? I mean, is that under the BI umbrella, what do you say? I think yeah. all those things fit under that umbrella, okay. right? So. Um, one of the things that people will look at when they talk about BI or, or data and making decisions is really you've kind of got these perspectives that you look at. So you can say what was, what is, and what could be. Hmm. So when you talk about like analytics, you're really saying kind of that what was, what is, right? What was it historically? What is it right now? If I'm, if I'm watching a manufacturing pro process, what is it right now? And then when we talk predictive analytics, that's when we're really saying, what could it be? So we're using that old data to inform what that item might be in the future. And then we're gonna make decisions based on that to kind of push forward. So really a time horizon on what you look at changes those, those gotcha. different terms. Okay. And are there like different disciplines or areas within BI? Like how, yeah, can you? Yeah, so we, we usually break it down um, we talk about kind of tools, right, uh, experience, and then we're, we're toying with the word habits, right, that, mm -hmm. that you have. So from a tools perspective and really architectural elements, right, there's traditional data warehousing, right, where you're going to get all the data in one place and you're going to structure it and you're going to format it. And that has been around for a long time and continues to move forward. You've got um, self-service business intelligence, so all the new tools like Tableau and ClickView and Microsoft's Power BI, where you're empowering the individual to go and kind of build an analysis and make a decision. Um, and then all of the big data pieces, right, which are really kind of big up on the hype cycle right now, <laughs> kind of moving through the hype cycle really, uh, where you're saying we've got these huge volumes of kind of a wide variety of data and not what can we do with it. So a little mm -hmm. bit structured, but all those disciplines kind of fit under that umbrella. Gotcha, and how do you know, and maybe you can give an example, but how do you know which, um, which you know, whether it's data warehousing, kind of the tableau, the worlds, mm -hmm. yeah, how do you know which where, to go? Yeah, where to go? So there's a lot to that. And I think that gets you into kind of the experience and the habits parts of delivering BI solutions. But a lot of companies, what we find is that companies kind of go after a BI problem. They, they basically say, we need to make better decisions with data. And then they start automatically to like look at tools, 
right? And they say, ah, well, let's, let's do big data because everybody's doing big data, so we, we need to do big data. And what we push on is you need to take a step back and almost the, the tools, we, we can do the tools. The, to, the tools, that's not hard. The hard part is setting the priorities of what is it that you actually care about and what value is that going to bring back to your business and now let's let's go figure out okay what tools because i've seen companies that'll go down a big data initiative and you'll say well what are you trying to do well we're, we're trying to improve our you know whatever our customer reach and so on yeah. well do you have a crm system yet well no we don't have C or we have crm well how's your reporting out of there do you know how many opportunities you have and leads and the time it takes to close a lead well no okay well, why don't you figure that out first so you know what's in your pipeline and manage your pipeline, and then let's go look at these other things that would better fill your pipeline, right? So it's, it's, there's kind of this maturing through um, what you're trying to look at, and that's, I think, where you get in. you got to help organizations figure out, like, me, your problem, the thing you're trying, the value you're trying to add, you, maybe you don't need that tool. Maybe it's something simple. It could be, yeah. it could be a data warehouse. It could be a simple self-service thing, or it could be big data. And, and how do you know... We're talking to a company, they say, hey, we want to try to do X. How do you know that the data is even there that will deliver on what the, their expectations or what they want to do? Usually that's a big part of walking them through. Okay. So we'll take them, you know, if I started with a company from scratch, you know, first thing we're going to do is identify what are their priorities. You know, what, what problem are they trying to solve? What value are they trying to create? Um, from there, then we're going to really go down that data path and say, well, this is great. So you, you want to measure, you know, again, let's use the sales pipeline example. You want to measure how long it takes an opportunity to close. Well, do you have a CRM system? No, we don't. Okay, well, That's we got to solve step. that problem yeah. first and then kind of move, move through those. So it's, it's kind of a discovery. Sometimes we'll take people through this exercise of, and we have some templates we've used over the years where we'll help them identify all the key metrics they want to measure and then we actually take them through a scoring of technically how feasible is that do they have the data don't they have the data and then we and then we basically plot it out and we'll get a little four square that says that says okay well based on yeah this one's really important but you don't have the data so you can't do it you got to do this one up here until you fill that gap gotcha and what 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 goes into that scoring model? So it's an old, just an old tool that I've had for a while. And on the business side, it takes into consideration things like how many users are looking at a metric. Does the metric um, drive a strategic objective? Does the metric drive profitability? Which those two things can be slightly different. Uh, and there's two, two other kind of business sides. So we get five things we look at from the business. And then on the technical huh. side, is the data available or not? How hard is it to get it? How clean is it? All of those pieces and that kind of good. And then those two axes plot against each other to, to give us what we should go after first. Well, that's a smart way to do it. I didn't think about that. Um, yeah, it probably helps, a, like you said, make a go or no go decision on what, what to focus on. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So how many different areas do we look at? Look at on this, um, you know, this chart or graph, how many, Plots, what do you have? Yep. It's usually kind of like a five to ten, somewhere okay. in that neighborhood. Okay. So we take, you know, we could sit through, if we sit down with a business and, and really we, where that all starts is we say, what are the questions you're asking about your business, right? And if we do this kind of in a, a full context, 
we'll actually talk to directors and VPs of each major business area. Say, mm-hmm. what, first of all, what are your goals and objectives? So what are you trying to do in your area? What's the information you need to get to those? So we start the conversation there, and then we basically drive out a bunch of business questions. And those are the things that give us all these little KPIs, and then the KPIs get grouped together in big buckets, okay. which are usually sales, marketing, you know, customer service. I mean, they fit kind of yeah, yeah, major yeah, yeah. business areas as you go. Interesting, okay. And uh, so once you answer some of these questions and kind of figure out the vision, mm-hmm. um, how do you actually like, implement this? What tools do you use? Um, I know it differs depending on mm-hmm. project, but can you give an example of, or a couple, exa- one or two examples of how you actually implement this? Get and there. What are you doing? Yeah, so from a technical implementation standpoint, our strength is on the Microsoft stack because that's what we've been around the longest. So for us, you know, we start to look at um, what are the ETL components that we need to build. So how are we going to move the data out of the core systems? and centralize it somewhere and pull it together because we do a lot of that traditional data warehousing yeah. piece. Um, how are we going to extract that data? What frequency? What's it going to look like? Then we get into modeling, which is another big piece and kind of if you talk about big data, that's where these things start to diverge a little bit. But you know, we really look at, back to the sales pipeline example, there's a way to model that data so you can understand opportunities over time. And so we do the modeling, do the ETL work to pull it into a central area, and then we'll build the semantic layers again with Microsoft analysis yeah. services and things on top. And what do you mean by modeling? Right. Yeah. What would so, that look like? So when we get into, so the data modeling piece I think is pretty fundamental to having some success in actually reporting the information. There are different kind of schools of thought on what types of modeling are best. So a couple of the big ones, there's Kimball data modeling, which is, you know, people will refer to it as dimensional modeling also. Uh, there is uh, Inman, which is a, a little more of a normalized type of modeling. You have traditional, just third normal form database modeling. And then there's another one that we've been uh, exploring lately called Data Vault. And really what it is is just saying you need to transform the data coming out of source systems in general is not the best for reporting. So any of these techniques, it's really you're looking at what type of reporting are you trying to get, and then you're going to go and, and reshape the data to, to match that, to get, get out the other side. Gotcha. Makes sense. Um, and what, so you use the Microsoft Power BI? What, what, what do those tools look like? What's in, what's, is it a, a suite of tools? How is it? So the Power BI piece is kind of interesting. I mean, it's evolving quickly. And I think, and along those same lines, Tableau and Click fit into that same, we call that self-service BI area, right? They're really intended for the technical user, but not super deep technical okay. user. And they let you do things. I mean, anytime you're going to go get data, you, 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 you're doing ETL. You're going to extract it, you're going to transform it, and you're going to load it into something. Yeah. And so that's what those tools are doing. Like Power BI is giving you all these connectors into QuickBooks and, and relational databases and everything else. So you get it out. Then they've got this thing, Power Query, on top that allows you to transform it. So let's say you've got somebody's first and last name and you want to split it apart, you add these little transform expressions to, to kind of cleanse it, 
manipulate it. And then for the load goes away and then you're really just visualizing it. And so they've got all these expressions to go in and visualize and, and pull those pieces together. Gotcha, okay. So now that we have all the data together and uh, you know, from different C systems, it could be like the CRM system, the county system, lots of, wherever systems, wherever you need the data in order to um, make those, uh, in get those intelligent insights, you, know, you can bring all the data together, which is, like you said, complex. So but let's mm -hmm. say the data's together, now what? You have all this data, um, you've, you've probably already thought about the questions you wanna ask mm -hmm. of the data, mm -hmm. is that right? Mm -hmm. And then, um, so how do you actually start asking these questions and kind of empower the, the users? The users, yeah. I think that gets into really a lot of the, the process elements around, we, we'll go talk to people and they'll say, yeah, we want to do business intelligence or we want to do data warehousing. And they look at it like a project, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, I got all the data here and there it is and you've delivered this thing, now go. That's not really how it works. It's, it, and I think that's where BI solutions are kind of unique from like a, like a CRM system. If I put a CRM system in front of somebody and I say, here's CRM, you're gonna track sales leads. That's a system these people have to use to do their job. Like they have to put their yeah, leads yeah. in there. They have to do that. They don't have to, but it's gonna help <laughs> right. a lot, right? Yeah. <laughs> a BI system, I think you really have to, you have to go evangelize. So you wanna understand what the, the, the business wants, and then you have to have business analysts or people who are who are supporting or building that solution who go and evangelize it and say, look, this is what you can get if you come here and, and use this piece. And so the really when you have a really good BI program, you're gonna have somebody that's that front interface to the business that's going out talking to them and saying, here's this. And you and they're both gonna mature over time. So the business is going to get smarter about what data they have and now what could they do next. And that, and you have this kind of constant interaction cycle that keeps a BI program kind of going on as long as the business goes on. Makes sense. So, can the users ask uh, questions? At, are all the questions formatted ahead of time, um, or can they, or are, can they ask more open-ended questions? New ones. Yeah, can they form new ones? Yeah. That's. I think that's where you get into some architectural elements around. You know, how do you expose the data? So. Traditional tools like um, cubes and data warehouses, you really had defined for the user what are the metrics they can have. And, and what are cubes? Can you... Cubes are uh, multi-dimensional databases that just <laughs> allow me, basically if you've ever worked with an Excel pivot table, okay, okay, they're the back end, can be the back end for a pivot table. So you can go in mm. and say, I'd like sales and cost of goods sold, and I'd like to see it by product for last year. Mm. Right, Great. and yep. you drag all these elements together, and you got an answer. Those pieces were very structured through IT, right? Okay. You had to build them and put those things together. What we're seeing now is that the that'll answer some of their questions, and you want to have that there, I think, for the users. But the pieces where they want to do their own exploration, that's again where Power BI and Tableau and mm -hmm. these ClickView pieces come in, because you expose them kind of further back in that data transformation chain and you say, okay, here's the data in a little more of a raw form. Hmm. You go point those tools at it and you basically build your own model and get your own analysis out of it. 
And then if they do something really well and it looks great, like somebody in a department that's a good analyst, they build something that looks nice and their department wants to use it and the rest of the enterprise wants to use it, then you back that back into this, into the architecture and say, okay, now let's go build that. Let's take your model that lives in this little workbook and let's go build that back into the enterprise so anybody who connects to it with these visualization tools can just gotcha. drag and drop, pull it together. And to allow that exploration, you probably, there's probably a lot of thought needed around the initial architecture in order to maybe make that happen. There's a, there's a lot of thought around the architecture of how the data moves so you know when it landed where, because inevitably you're going to have to go figure out why something's not what people yeah. think it is and go back. And then that gets back to the modeling piece. How you model the data to expose it to the users makes a, it makes a ton of... Uh, difference into what their experience is going to be mm -hmm. trying to consume it. Most of the times when I get into something where somebody's built a solution that people don't like or have not adopted, it's because the modeling behind it was terrible. Not because the ideas were wrong or anything, it's just the, the modeling. Somebody didn't do the modeling yeah. right and then everything just doesn't fit together do, like it should. Do you have an example of that, example of that off the top of your head? It's fine if you don't. Yeah. 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 Not specific. No, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Understandable. <laughs> You're gone. No. Um, and so speaking of an example, uh, I'm curious if you have like a, a case study or something that you mm -hmm. can walk. Cause we, we have lots of interesting ideas, but for me, I always like to hear kind of something. Sure. How does it actually work? Like from the beginning to the end, how does the project work? You don't have to name names or, you know. Yeah, like, well, we've got, so we're working, we have a, um, you know, Taliban's pretty new. So of our clients, our first client is a manufacturer up in northern Wisconsin. And uh, they, they do customizations around um, trucks, okay. right? So for fire departments and other things. And... Basically what we came into in their scenario is they, they had a bunch of Excel spreadsheets and a bunch of things that different accountants throughout the organization put together. And it would take them several days at the close of the end of any month to actually produce something back to the ownership mm -hmm. of the business, right? So they had to get all the spreadsheets together, a bunch of people had to work on them, then they had to collect them all into one place and then give them to the owner so the owner knew what's okay. going on. Seven days after the month is done, wow. right? Okay. Now if you're a business owner knowing seven days after your month is done that you had a terrible month, it's helpful, but yeah. it's not as helpful as if you knew as the month was going, yeah. what are those inputs that are and, gonna happen? And, and what are the, all those spreadsheets just around them? Uh, revenue and expenses and like, mm -hmm. productivity and like mm -hmm. and uh, maybe a pipeline of future it was, it was like everything it was lots yeah of, it was lots covering of. orders so from their perspective they were covering open a lot of stuff around open orders okay. so how many open orders do we have you know how many are moving through it, you know what what's that production cycle look like from the customer wants it till I've put it out the door and I'm gonna actually collect some money for it right um, and you know, like any business, you're going to want to tighten that up as much as you can, and you're going to want to have insights into when there's hiccups in it, and you don't want to have that a week or two weeks after something no, no. has happened, or in, in this case, it'd be like, could be six weeks, right? So we went in there, um, we started pulling their data into a centralized location, modeling it so they could do analysis. We started out with their financials, so we built them a general ledger cube, so they could go in and, and just 
basically pull any kind of general ledger report they wanted to through Excel and just mm. pivot and twist and turn and, and do these. It's very, you know, some people in the kind of, if we look at like big data and those things that are happening now, that's kind of an old school approach. It, it was a huge benefit for them. Wow. They, and how do you know, and what about like the initial questions? I mean, it sounds like they kind of already knew what they wanted. Or did you, do you help, a, I bet companies often know what they kind of want, but how do you, um, make sure that's actually what they need what they need yeah. so for this one we kind of had a direction already set when we when we came in right they were okay. kind of already set and we've had another one here in town where we went through the the actual kind of road mapping exercise and that was an eight-week exercise where uh, we went and we and this was a bigger company and we actually talked to the directors of every single business group we must have had 20 plus interviews and going through and what are you trying to do? Where are you trying to go? And from that, we actually laid out a roadmap. And we said, you know, first thing you need to tackle is sales. Second thing you need to tackle is supply chain. Mm -hmm. Third thing you need to tackle is finance. And then started to lay out the work to actually go down and, and tackle those Did things. you use the scoring model for that? We, we did on that one <laughs> in different pieces, yeah. Because we, you know, we, we had all the questions at that point and we could kind of ask them, okay, how hard or how easy is this to okay. go get? So uh, you get all the data together, and how long did it take? Uh, that it how, continues. Continues, okay, yeah, and that's BI, like you said, it's just mm -hmm. a continuous yeah. process. I mean, most of, when we define, so, you know, those areas, those big buckets, you know, those are, we call them subject areas, right? Like sales is a subject yeah. area. A subject area, generally, to do the first rev, takes two or three months okay. to get everything, and they go quicker as you go. Um, and then you'll, what you'll find is after a year or two years, you're going to want to re go back to that because again the business has gotten matured or changed or whatever it is and you'll kind of come back and, and you redo some of those so gotcha um and then how this is kind of a side question but how do you if a client's like well how are we going to measure roi in this like how do we know if it makes any difference and, and maybe it's enough just saying hey we're gonna get report today after it closed and that's mm -hmm. maybe they don't need an ROI. Yeah. Do, but does the ROI come up much? It gets, it? it's tricky. Okay. It is tricky. I do have one that we were working on. We're actually working on it right now where it was easier because they had a very defined problem around reliability. And, and, and with that one, you know, they, they could put a number on it. And so then it was easy to say, well, here's the number of what you're missing and here's what a program's going to cost. And then it's a no. It was a no-brainer. So, no, but I would say that was very much outside the norm. Okay, All right. very much. It's hard to come up with ROI typically. It is tough I because imagine. sometimes you get into it. I mean, sometimes you can do it because you can just say, well, if you had visibility into X, yeah, what do you think you're? What? How would that change your margin? Well, we could get another percentage of margin. Okay, great. Now we have a number, right? Now we can put a dollar figure on it but sometimes that gets tricky. Or the other one we'll get into is like cost. Well, we spend X amount of hours a month doing this. That, that one usually isn't quite the justification. No, 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 right. yeah. And with the manufacturing example, after you, know, you allowed the users to you know, run their own reports, did they come back with any feedback saying how this really changed this or maybe or this changed you know, our practice? Mm -hmm. This way, did you get any feedback? Like, yeah. Does that happen all the time? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you're doing it well, yeah. that's what you're going to get. Yeah. And, yeah. and that gets you into that piece of being that analyst 
constantly interacting with them to say, okay, is this, are we on the right path? Are we doing the right thing? And looping around on, on gotcha. kind of getting that feedback. So, so where do you think the so switching course now to the future? Mm -hmm. uh, where where do you think BI's? Well, this is a big term, but where is BI headed? I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of firms that are just doing. I don't want to say traditional, but just they need. There's still a lot of work to be done just to get them up to speed. Essentially, there's a ton. Yeah, and, and I think. I, the tools are improving, right? So you're getting more of an ability to go after pieces of information that you couldn't get before. And if you look at things like what's going on with big data, right? All of a sudden you, you can get, you know, terabytes, petabytes of information that you just couldn't get. A lot of it's unstructured. And so what I, what I think is going to happen longer term is this notion of kind of semantic modeling and understanding what the data means will kind of come full circle again. I, I think it's really cyclical, right? Like ETL tools weren't fantastic a long time ago, and now they're, it's easy to, to yeah, build, yeah. not easy, but easier to build ETL pieces. Getting some of these big data pieces, it's tough to, to pull those things together and to do the analysis on it. And I, what I think will come next is you just will say, well, now we need to have governance around it and know our quality, and then we need to get a semantic layer on so we yeah. can interact with it. I think th those are the pieces that will kind of come down okay. the road. More incorporating the big data piece. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it'll just become part of the mainstream. But we're going to always, I think we're going to always come back to, you're going to always have to come back to some context of yeah. what does this data even mean? Yeah. And what is it? What problems it helping me solve? I do think the other thing that's out there that probably hasn't been as prevalent yet is the usage of cloud technologies mm -hmm. just to kind of get these things going. A lot of times you start like a big BI or data warehousing initiative. If you have serious volumes of data, you're buying some pretty beefy hardware to deal with this stuff. So you look at these initial investments that are you know in the tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars of hardware to just get going. I think the cloud pieces offer you this kind of cheaper entry point where you can say, well, I'm not sure if this is gonna pan out to be something big, so why don't we start with, you know, let's move this stuff into Azure, yeah, move yeah. to Amazon, yeah. and um, then let's build from there and see how it goes. And then maybe we bring it back on prem or whatever it is, yeah. so. Makes sense, okay. And uh, we're almost out of time here, but this has been a great. So, if people want to learn more about BI, do you uh, do you know of any BI kind of educational resources or any place people can look? Yeah. Besides you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, there's a there's a lot of well, information management is a is a pretty good site that covers a broad okay. set of topics. So, like, I get those emails every day to okay. kind of help me help me go through. I think people that are looking to practice in this area. Um, I still put people back to um, Kimball's Data Warehousing Lifecycle Toolkit, mm. and it's it's an older book. It does get you into a lot of the dimensional modeling concepts, but it also talks about the prioritization process and really helping the you know what's the what's the process you take the business through to help them define the right metric because people miss that way too often. Yeah. They don't take them through what's valuable to them. You do that first. Interesting. And it sounds like I mean, it'd be helpful to have a technical and a business background mm -hmm. for somebody who wants to get into BI. I mean, yeah. ideally, right? Or yeah, maybe somebody has technical they can learn the business or part of it too. The but. people I've had the most luck with, they used to do a lot of recruiting folks out of college, 
and I actually had a lot of luck with um, people who came out with econ backgrounds and any kind of engineering, mechanical, electrical, whatever it was. They just were wired to kind of do that. And music. And of course, right. You know? and, and music. I, yeah. Some of the best people I know in this area studied music. And stuff. Really? Mm-hmm. And do they have to be that technical to get in this, this space? You have or? to have an aptitude, Okay. right? I mean, I think some of the like hardcore computer science stuff, not so much. Yeah. But you have to have an aptitude to move right. around the computer. Right. Like aptitude and learn the tools mm-hmm. and just be curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, this is awesome. I think that's all we have for today, unfortunately, because I, I could ask some more questions. But uh, definitely appreciate your time, Dave. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah. Until uh, until next time. All right. Thanks for the opportunity. And thanks everyone for yep. listening. We'll we'll see you next time. Bye.